We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Daily Fantasy Podcast, sponsored by FantasyDraft.com, where every day is game day. All right, it is Friday, December 11th, of course, the year 2015. Nick Whalen here, as I always am, with Chris Benzine uh, on this Friday afternoon. Chris, we're going to go through and talk about the top value plays at each position this week. We're going to be using DraftKings values. I know in the past we, we've kind of jumped around, you know, trying to to kind of dip our hand, I guess, in, in multiple sites. Uh, we, we've used fantasydrafts.com's values uh, in the past. They, of course, have a $100,000 salary cap, uh, so it's a little bit different. Obviously, the values are a little bit inflated there, but we'll go with DraftKings values today just to kind of keep things a little more consistent with that that smaller cap. Um, but first, I want to ask you, I mean, I think we both watched the, the Vikings-Cardinals game last night um i know you as, as a packers fan were probably happy with this result you know kind of allowing green bay to to get a little bit of a cushion a little bit of breathing room in the division especially if they're able to beat dallas this week um but that final play uh, minnesota was able to drive you know they took over teddy bridgewater and company took over with a minute 20 ish left at, at their own 20 they get all the way down into arizona territory it's second and 10 at the arizona 31 bridgewater uh, looking for jerry's right misses him uh it's third and 10 then 13 seconds remaining Bridgewater gets sacked there's a strip Arizona recovers basically game over at that point if you're Mike Zimmer and the Vikings do you kick it there on third down with 13 seconds left or do you try to do what we think they were trying to do and you know maybe get five or ten more yards with a quick out I mean I guess it seems like they didn't have a lot of faith in Blair Walsh that might, might be the case and that's why they're just like we'll just give him a little more room get get him a little more manageable field goal 
range. But uh, Dwight Freeney, who didn't play much of the game at all, finally just he was in the game late, and he made an impact at a crucial time. And it was a bad decision. It turns out to be a bad decision. Everyone now, in retrospect, questions whether or not they should have thrown the ball on third down. And and he also uh, definitely you need to throw that ball away or get rid of find some way to get rid right. of it. Right. Was ball. it more on Bridgewater, or do you think, or more on Zimmer for the play call? I think it's a combo of the two. I mean, I, I, I think it's not a terrible play call, but as I think as a quarterback, you got to know, and as a coach, you have to be telling your quarterback, and he has to know coming in that you have to get rid of that ball somehow. You ha- you cannot hold on to that. Right. Ball. You cannot take a sack. This is the only thing you can't do. Exactly. And the thing, you know, the strip in recovery by Arizona is kind of a footnote at this point because, you know, Bridgewater goes down with, what, six or seven seconds left, no timeouts for Minnesota. I mean, there wasn't going to be time to set up a field goal anyway, probably not even time to set up a spike. Uh, so, you know, the the fumble was nice, the recovery is nice, but it probably wouldn't have mattered either way. I I think I like the play call with 13 seconds left. You know, it's not like they did this with six seconds left. You know, 13 seconds is plenty of time, you would think, you know, even if even if a receiver gets dragged down inbounds, you know, that the offense would hopefully be ready to, to to go down and spike it but you know you're down three at this point you're at the 31 which you know certainly isn't the red zone but it's close enough that you could at least conceivably uh either try to rip off a big gain and get right to the end zone or at least get close enough that you can maybe take one shot at the end zone to try and win it in regulation probably don't want to go into overtime at home uh or excuse me on the road uh, in Arizona against a, a great Cardinals offense so I think that was maybe part of the thinking but yeah, either way, a tough way for that one to end. I, Minnesota played them a little bit cl- more closely than I thought. Um, you know, this was a team that looked really, really good heading into that Green Bay game a few weeks ago. Then they kind of get blown out by by the Packers, and it looked like maybe that early season success w- was you know maybe a bit of a smokescreen. But I thought you know, barring the end result of the game, I, I was pretty impressed with what I saw from Minnesota overall. Yeah, I mean they uh, they got blown out by the Seahawks last week as well. Right. That was another one. So yep. they. They seem to they kind of came back. You, there's two ways you can generally go from that is you can go just fall out, or you can it can turn the course of your season in a bad direction, or you can fight back and make sure you're still you know fight, there's and they're still within fighting distance for they're still in a playoff spot even after they losing are. that game. So that doesn't really hurt a ton, but it definitely puts them in a little worse position. Like the terms of the division, as a Packers fan, I was trying to go through the scenarios in my head of like, what's the best scenario? Do we want the Cardinals to to lose? Then the Packers could get the seat or the playoff buy. But from what I what I came up with, it seems like the best scenario was for the Cardinals to actually win that game for us. So I'm pretty happy. with Yeah, I think Green Bay has kind of kissed the the hopes of that first round buy, uh, kissed that goodbye. But you know, you look at Minnesota now, they are still technically in the playoff picture right now, but if Seattle wins, um, you know, this weekend, they're both eight and five and Seattle holds the tie break there, uh, for that first wild card spot. Uh, Tampa Bay still lurking, Atlanta still lurking at six and six. I, I, w- I don't know if lurking is the right word for Atlanta. I mean, the way that they've completely fallen off these last few weeks, but yeah, I mean, it looks like it's going to be, you know, Minnesota versus Seattle for that last wild card spot, you know, unless one of those NFC South teams is able to make some noise. I mean, is there anybody in the NFC East that you think could get hot over these last few weeks? I mean, I think you look at this division top to bottom and three teams tied at five and seven. I mean, it would it would take some serious – they would need some serious help from either Minnesota or Seattle, and it would take what would look like right now to be a pretty improbable run over these last four weeks. Yeah, I don't think any NFC East team has really a chance at, no. a, at a wild card spot, but they're going to have – the division winner is obviously in by default, so <clears throat> just whoever – I mean, it would take a lot – none of these teams look like they're actually going to have any chance in the playoffs, but, I mean – 
I would say I don't think Romo is going to be back. He's not going to no, be back. He's not going to be back. So he, I mean, if with Romo, the Cowboys would be somewhat of a formidable opponent, you'd think, but uh, that just don't have enough there. The Eagles they beat the Patriots last week, but the, I mean, the Patriots were without two of their top two of their top targets with right. uh, Julian Edelman and Gronk. So there's just uh, yeah, there's nothing really in that division. Just a mess in general, and there's nobody that really sticks out as a team that I think could, could contend for a Super Bowl. No, no, not at all. I think I think the Redskins kind of fancy themselves maybe the best contender of the group, but uh, way too many flaws, I think, on both sides of the ball for all four of these teams. But we'll get into our values for this weekend, some of the value plays that we like, again, using DraftKings values. One guy, of course, I like. Uh, this probably won't surprise you at all, Chris, or, or anybody who's listened consistently to any of our football podcasts, Blake Bortles. Still priced a little bit low uh, for my liking at 6000 going up against Indianapolis. That's not a very good pass defense. Um, I mean, obviously, he's coming off of a game, five touchdowns against what's another bad pass defense in Tennessee. Um, do you like him at 6000 or are you willing to maybe trust Matt Hasselbeck, who's 4-1 as the starter? You can save 800 bucks and grab him at 5200 and you know, he's going up against a Jacksonville D that's pretty uninspiring itself. I think I would go just the fact that Bortles at home and he's been pretty good. He's really great good home field advantage yeah. in Jacksonville. Yeah, there's definitely they they really show up, uh, turn out in droves in yeah. Jacksonville for their yeah. team. But uh, no, I mean Blake Bortles has proven to be really good recently. The emergence of uh, Allen Robinson as an elite wide receiver certainly has helped him. Uh, is Allen Hearns expected? Hearns is back. Week? Hearns yeah, is going to so, play. So that's definitely another. Uh, bonus for him they still have, they have Julius Thomas healthy they have all they have some the weapons, weapons are there him. yeah they, their weapons are honestly right up there yeah too so I mean they got some right got some decent guys you can throw to and if you're looking at the two offenses which team would you rather quarterback right now I you could argue I mean I think, I think Jacksonville. Argue that Jacksonville would be the two of those teams right. that you'd you'd like to have there's your, there's some issues up front with the line in Jacksonville but these are easily the best set of weapons you know that they've had probably since the mid 2000s when you're you know back in the Jimmy Smith Keenan McCardell Fred Taylor days you know TJ Yeldon's not Fred Taylor by any means but he's certainly their most productive and consistent back since the the Jones Drew glory years of a few years ago so I mean the defense obviously is an issue you'd like to think if you score 39 points on the Titans uh, that would result in a win but when you miss two extra points and and fail to convert a two-point conversion, I guess that's what happens. But I, I don't think Blake Bortles is going to go for five touchdowns again. I think that goes without saying. But, I mean, he's a guy that's consistently been putting up two, three, four touchdowns, you know, due in part to the fact that they're often either in shootouts or playing from behind, so he's getting a ton of attempts. And he just does have these these really, really nice weapons on the edge. Allen Robinson we'll talk about uh, when we get to wide receivers. But I, I think he's been huge for the success of Bortles and. Uh, last week, that, that five-touchdown performance helped him, and I, this is just sad that I even have to say this, but shattered the single-season record for for, touch, for th- uh, passing touchdowns in Jaguars history. I think it was Garrard held the record at 23 or 24, and Bortles is up to 27, so watch out. Yeah. Um, who else do you like? And, and the we'll kind of talk about the mid-tier guys, somewhere you know, maybe between 5,000 and 6,000. One guy I like is Jameis Winston going up against that horrendous uh, Saints pass defense. Um, I know Ryan Tannehill and Brock Osweiler are two guys that you want to talk about. Yeah, I mean Tannehill. He's he's had a little down spell recently, but uh, he's facing a nice matchup with a Giants defense that's just been atrocious against the pass this season. I mean, he only threw 19 passes last week against Baltimore, so you're not going to expect a ton. But the week before against the Jets, he went for uh, 
Look, he went for 350 yards and three touchdowns, and that was a Jets defense that's generally looked at as pretty good against the pass. So I, I could see him having another big week against uh, against a Giants defense that has been giving up a lot of passing yards per game this season. They're among the lowest in the league. They're giving up, in fact, the 30th most points to fantasy quarter, or to quarterbacks in the DraftKings format. So, I mean, this is a really a good matchup for him, to especially to, he'll probably want to bounce back after he was going against a Ravens defense last week. And not that the Ravens are generally bad, but this year they haven't been good. And it's kind of surprising that given the way that they've been playing that he didn't really do much. But uh, I, I just feel like it's going to be a good bounce back week for him there at home against the Giants. And he's a guy, it's a nice price at 5200 there. He's priced lower than Matt Hasselbeck, who I think could also have a decent week, like you said, against the, the Jaguars, who gave up 42 points to the Titans last week. So I could see those two having a nice week. And uh, he's a guy. He's one of the guys I would be targeting in the daily format, along with um, Osweiler. He's facing Oakland, who's also been pretty bad. I mean, there's this is probably the week where it might be worth just going value play at quarterback. There's there's the top Most of the top options are facing some tough matchups this week, so... I feel like if there's a week, you're just going to go and kind of somewhat punt the quarterback. Position. Right. Well, you look at some of the top values on DraftKings. Tom Brady's at number one at 7,800. Um, going up against a Houston defense that's been a lot better of late. The bigger thing for me is just the, the lack of weapons, you know, and, and Amendola uh, and Edelman and Gronkowski, everybody's banged up for this team. You know, they're, they're kind of scraping the bottom of the depth chart. I think that's what hurts his value more than the defense he's going up against. Cam Newton goes up against an Atlanta pass defense that's been much better this season. Aaron Rodgers goes up against a good Dallas pass defense. Drew Brees against Tampa Bay, I, I like, but we've kind of seen it's been feast or famine really for this New Orleans offense. So, you know, he's a guy that can give you five touchdowns or he might just completely bomb and, and you know, kind of nuke your lineup. Ben Roethlisberger rounds out the top five as far as highest price quarterbacks, and he goes up against a very good Cincinnati defense. So, if you're looking at Roethlisberger or Andy Dalton, and again, they're matching up this week in an AFC North battle. Who do you ride with? Roethlisberger's at 6,800. Andy Dalton's at 6,600. If you had to choose between those two, Chris, who would you like? Uh, I think I would give a slight edge to Andy Dalton probably just because he's got uh, – the, the Pittsburgh defense hasn't been as good against it. And it looks like Tyler Eifert's going to be back this week, so that's nice for him. He'll have he'll have another, the, the two biggest weapons in his offense have always been – or have been A.J. Green and Tyler Eifert this season, so – Having Eifert back in there is another is a nice weapon for Andy Dalton to have, and uh, I mean Roethlisberger he's he's been pretty good, but he seems like he's still maybe a little banged up from the injury that he suffered a while ago, and he's uh, I mean last week he exploded, so it's, it's right. it was like it, it it it's just I don't see that happening again. Indianapolis's defense is pretty porous, so that was uh, a, probably a big reason behind what the just explosion. He has been really good overall, so. Um, it's not it, – I don't know. I, I feel like at home against a, a division rival is always tougher to play. I mean, at, on the road, I mean, against – it's probably is, – it's tougher to put up bigger numbers. And the Bengals' defense has been very good this season against the pass. So I, if I was given an edge, there's not much of a difference in price between the two. So if I was given an edge to one of these two, I think I would go with Dalton. But he also probably will have a larger ownership, I think, of the two if you're choosing between the two. So – if you're looking to chance a little more, maybe go with Roethlisberger just because of that high ceiling that he can have. They have a lot of weapons there, so they do. 
But, um, yeah, I think if you're going to safe play, Dalton's more of a safe guy in this one. All right, real quickly, Johnny Manziel, uh, a guy who I think will probably find his way into quite a few lineups just because uh, he's Johnny Manziel. He's down minimum priced at 5000 um, I mean, is there any chance that you're going to roll with him in, in lineups this week? I think there's a chance just because he has a nice matchup with the 49ers. And he's he's a guy that runs the ball, which is big for quarterbacks. You, you want guys that can run. That gives you the opportunity there. And he was actually really good in his last start against the Steelers. He threw for uh, 372 yards, rushed for another not just 17, but still that's some rushing yards there. And he can rush. He can run the ball. And, uh, I mean, he hasn't thrown a lot of touchdown passes. There aren't a lot, a ton of weapons in Cleveland, obviously. But, uh, and especially I think Travis Benjamin's down uh, now as well, so they're without him. I mean, they they don't have a ton of weapons for him. But, I mean, Johnny Manziel has made some magic, and he's a guy, if you're going minimum priced, I think it's probably better to look elsewhere. But if you're looking for a guy that, I mean, kind of chancy, he might have a chance to do pretty well against the San Francisco defense. So, if you want to risk it, I mean, he's a guy that you could go with. If if you don't have any money, you're just looking to fill out the roster at the end. If you're looking to completely punt the quarterback position at five Gs, I think he's a decent option. Yeah, I think I think it's a fun option. You know, if you're gonna if you're going to punt the quarterback spot, and it's like, you know, do I want to ride with Jimmy Clausen or or another low price guy? You know, having Manziel in your lineup at least you know kind of spices things up a little bit. Let's move to the running back position. Eddie Lacy is the first guy I want to ask you about. And he's somebody that we've talked about quite a bit. And, you know, of course, he's been in the news quite a bit around Green Bay just because of the change in his role, the, the drastic swings in his workload that we've seen this season. He's at 4,700 this week. Do you trust him whatsoever? I mean, I think part of the reason last week he didn't do a ton was because he had the he had a curfew issue and that, um, that held him off the field a lot. The other guy that was off the – I can't remember the name, but the other running back that was – Crockett? No, he wasn't. He's the one that played. But oh, yeah, right. they actually released uh, Lonzo Harris, I believe, mm-hmm. because he was also having curfew issues. So, I mean, these two were were being disciplined. Obviously, Lacey a little less than uh, Alonzo Harris, but uh, I, I feel like Lacey should be a bigger part of the offense this week. However, I think James Starks is still the starter at this point, and they're facing Dallas. I mean, Dallas has been pretty bad against the run, but. I just don't know if I could trust Eddie Lacy. He is at forty seven hundred, so that's a decent option. And if he he's does, still priced above James Starks, though, yeah. I think. Do you think you know this isn't? I wouldn't say like being deceptive, but is this DraftKings kind of maybe you know taking advantage of the? There's still the perception that Eddie Lacy is you know the bigger name, the you know guy who was a first round pick in most season long leagues. I think I think his name carries a little bit more weight, and that can kind of justify a higher price. Well, I think it's also the fact that he's had a couple hundred yard games in the last. Right, he's looked good when he's had the opportunities of late, at least. Yeah, I mean, Starks, even when he had opportunity, he hasn't done a ton. He's had some receptions, which is nice, so that's at least giving you some points. But uh, Eddie Lacy's the guy that, I mean, he's a guy that can go off if given the opportunity, so I I wouldn't be surprised if he's at least a decent part of the uh, offense again this week, and I could see a decent week from him. And he is at 4,700, so if there's a guy willing to, if you want to risk it around that price range, that's a... That's a decent option there at that price, despite the fact that he he had, like I think, four carries last week. Right, uh, four so. carries for five yards or five carries for four yards, something like that. Yeah. I think it's to the point where you know, obviously the discipline thing has to be handled internally, and it was last week. Can Green Bay really afford to keep, to keep that up, though? That's the thing. You know, it's um, 
you know, like at some point they kind of have to leverage. Like, you know, these, these are getting close. To, if they want to win this division, they they just can't be dropping games to bad teams like they have over the last four or five weeks. And you know, if if it comes down to it, I think you know at some point the Packers and and Mike McCarthy maybe need to swallow their pride a little bit and say, you know, if this guy whether this guy violated probation or not, whether or not he's been a little bit of a curfew, I should say, not probation, whether or not he's been a little bit of a problem off the field this season. At some point, you just got to run him, you know, and and I think as well as he's looked or as good as he's looked two of the last three games when he's actually, you know, received a starter's workload, I think he's kind of earned the right to at least, you know, have a chance to to take this job back from James Starks. Yeah, I mean, he early on in the season, he had like an ankle issue that kind of limited him. So he didn't look like himself either. So there was definitely good reason for that. And I understand having that curfew issue, punishing him for one week. And he didn't, I mean... I, I, but I just don't see it being a long-term thing. They they know how good he is, and they want to get him on the field health, when he's healthy. So I I think he'll have another big workload this week. So and and he's facing a nice matchup. So especially at that forty-seven hundred price tag, that might be a decent option if you're looking for a value running back. So what about Thomas Rawls? He's at fifty-eight hundred this week, coming off of a one hundred and one yard performance against Minnesota. Had eighty-one yards on twenty-one carries two weeks ago against Pittsburgh, and then that two hundred nine-yard performance, that monster game uh, in, in his first game, starting for Marshawn Lynch in Week Eleven against San Francisco. I like him quite a bit this week. Uh, I, I think the the Baltimore defense is a little bit decimated. I think this is a team that that's a little bit down on his luck at this point. They've been they've been good. You know the credit goes to that Baltimore defense for kind of picking up uh the slack that that this offense just really hasn't been able to produce many points this season obviously a lot of injuries but do you like Rawls or are you going to try to avoid this this notorious Baltimore defense I mean it's tough to ignore Rawls especially I mean he's not extreme extremely highly priced or anything so he's he's at a reasonable range there and he's been undeniably good filling in for uh Marshawn Lynch, he's able to catch the ball a little bit out of the backfield at three grabs last week, three grabs against San Francisco three weeks ago. He He's rushed for nearly 100 yards in every game, and he's had a touchdown in each of the last three. I mean, it's tough to deny. And and they're playing really well right now, and they should be ahead. You, you look at the teams that are playing, you think the Baltimore offense can't really do much right now. They don't really have anything going for them. Uh, no Joe Flacco, Matt Schaub is leading that team. So the Seahawks should be able to get ahead in this game and – in the second half, I could see a fair amount of Rawls being part of the game plan there. So that's a guy, like you mentioned, he's a decent option, I think, and pretty, a guy that you could, I might target in some of my lineups as well. Jonathan Stewart, I know, is another guy that you like. He's at 5,800, quietly having one of the better years of anybody around football. I mean, top five in yardage. He's kind of been right up there with Adrian Peterson and, and guys like Doug Martin. 82 yards and a touchdown last week against New Orleans. How do you like this matchup with the Atlanta defense? Yeah, the Atlanta defense, I mean, while they have been good against the pass, they've been pretty bad against the run. So I could see him and Cam Newton both taking a lot of, having a fair amount of carries in the ground this game. Um, but like you said, the Jonathan Stewart, much like the Panthers in general, they kind of flown under the radar. They weren't really much talked about until recently. The Panthers kind of just, once the Patriots lost, then the, the shift, the focus turned to the Panthers. But they've quietly had a terrific season all around and now it's not as quiet well it's been so much about cam and you know i'm nothing not to take anything away from him i mean he's been he's been phenomenal but yeah i mean the running game has been great greg olson's been great the defense has been a big part of what what they've been able to do um but yeah i I agree with you i think jonathan stewart against this atlanta defense is a nice matchup matt jones he's at 3600 so just 600 above minimum price had 18 carries last game against dallas just 49 yards uh did have one reception 
is he a guy that you're maybe willing to throw kind of a Hail Mary pick at just because we've seen what he can do early in the season? You know, is when he did most of his work, uh, had that big game against St. Louis that, that, that kind of made him a must grab on the waiver wire for a couple weeks. Things have slowed down considerably. Alfred Morris kind of kind of taking the reins of that job back. But I think if you're looking in this price range, Matt Jones has about as much upside as anybody. Yeah, I mean, uh, Matt Jones has done a lot with a little so far this season. I mean, he hadn't really seen a big workload uh up to this point and then finally last week i mean he's he's done most of his damage in the receiving game so i mean that's like this big a biggest part or a bigger portion of his game but he finally got 18 carries last week and if he can i I think he'll still be a part of it and he's facing chicago defense decent matchup um and i think he's still be a good part of that offense there and he may not get as many carries as last week but um just he's a guy like you said he's a guy you can throw a flyer out there for he's a guy that you can take a chance on and he, i mean I, I could see him getting more more in the receiving game again this week but uh even if he does get a few carries i could see him getting a big and getting in the end zone is a big thing and he's been able to do that a few times this season so if you're looking around that bottom price range there that's a decent option uh, another guy I like is uh tim hightower he's at minimum price uh now that uh now that Mark Ingram is out for the season, has been ruled out for the season, placed on IR, um, I could see him see, getting the big I – mean, he's expected to get the big workload there, the, the lion's share of the carries. For some reason – I mean, he's facing a defense that gives up the eighth fewest points to running backs, but like I said, you're, you're paying minimum price at that range. So if you're getting a guy that will see a good number of carries, pretty much almost guaranteed, and he's not – you still have C.J. Spiller back there in the backfield, but uh, it seems like for some reason the Saints don't like him as much either because even when uh, Ingram was hurt earlier in the season, he didn't get a ton of carries. Kyrie Robinson took that role. He's kind of just stayed in his more receiving receiving down back role there. And Spiller, I mean, he's been he's been disappointing fantasy owners for years. He's, been, he's had promise and never really came to fruition. But uh, I could see... Like if you're looking for a value play right around the bottom there, Tim Hightower at three thousand minimum price. That's about as good as it gets, I think. Especially when you you have an expected workload that's pretty high. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll talk receivers and tight ends in just a minute. But first, a quick word from Fantasy Draft. They do sponsor the podcast. Fantasy Draft's flexible lineup format gives you the freedom to choose the players that you love to watch. They have a larger payout zone, which means more chances for you to win. At least 25% of competitors win in even their largest guaranteed contest. It's much more of a level playing field. You don't have to worry about competing against the same player who puts in hundreds of entries, uh, never more than 20 entries per user per contest. So a little bit more, again, of of an even playing field. You're not just able to kind of pump a bunch of money in and, and stack the deck. You put yourself in the best position to win. Great value in the contest. Again, more of your entry fee goes directly to that payout zone. At least 25% of competitors win in the largest guaranteed contest. So head on over to fantasydraft.com today. You can find out more about how they put the players first because they set a low entry cap. Again, that's fantasydraft.com. All right, Chris, let's get into the wide receivers. And we started with the Jaguar at the top of the podcast with the quarterback. It's going to go back to the Jaguars with wide receivers. Allen Robinson moving into the top five uh, in terms of wide receiver pricing this week. He's at 8,000 going up against a pretty bad Indianapolis pass defense over under five touchdowns for Allen Robinson this week. 
I think I might take the under in that. It's, it's close. It's a tough one. You know, I'm, I have to think about it. No, but. no, of course I'm joking. But, I mean, coming off three touchdowns last week, um, you know, a guy who's been really, really, really productive this season and what's been a, a pretty bad season for the Jaguars, you know, a team that most people don't pay a lot of attention to nationally. But I think he kind of broke onto the scene, uh, onto the national scene, that is, last week with that three-touchdown performance. They get Alan Hearns back, like we mentioned earlier. He's at 5,500 uh, after missing last week with, with a comp- – uh, I think he had a concussion. He had an ankle injury, a hamstring injury. It's a bunch of injuries that have kind of accumulated over the season. But, you know, I think the absence of Hearn la- Hearns, I should say, last week ended up helping Alan Robinson. I mean, he saw a ton of targets. The thing about, about Robinson is, you know, he's such a physical receiver that – you know, three or four of his catches per game seem to be kind of 50-50 balls that Blake Bortles just just throws up for him, and and he seems to come down with them more often than not. So I'm not expecting another three-touchdown game, maybe not even a two-touchdown game. I think uh, the attention is going to be firmly on him from that Indianapolis uh, secondary, but I still think at $8,000, if you don't want to pay up for ODB or Antonio Brown, you know, Robinson is going to be a very favorable, a very favorable choice this week. My only concern is he might have high ownership coming off of that big game. You know, you see that he's going up against the 20, 29th ranked pass defense in the league. I think that's going to lead to to a very high ownership share for him. Yeah, I could definitely see that being the case. I mean, he's still at a decent price there, and uh, he's got a nice matchup, like you said, and he's got a great quarterback with Blake Bortles throwing his way. So if I'm looking at uh, I mean, he's he's a good option around that price range for sure. But uh, like you said, in tournament format, night might not be as as worth a pick as you're looking at, and if you're going like a fifty-fifty, maybe because not um, because of the fact that he'll have high ownership. So there's a chance that you could probably go with somebody else that might have a little lower ownership, and that will have a, another nice day as well. And if you, if that's the case, I mean, you you could chance it elsewhere, looking uh, looking to pick up on a guy that have lower ownership but that and then hope that Allen Robinson doesn't produce as expected going into the game. So I could see him being a guy that while it's it's worth picking in a 50-50 format cuz you think he's going to do really well, it might be a guy you might shy away from in a tournament just in case on the off chance that he doesn't do well, then you can take advantage of that and go with somebody else that might have a little lower ownership. Yeah, we mentioned Alan Hearns again at 5,500. I do like him quite a bit in what's been this very productive Jaguars passing offense. Do you like AJ Green as kind of an obvious play against what's been a very shaky Steelers pass D? I mean, he was he was definitely the biggest beneficiary last week when uh, Tyler Eifert wasn't available. He was a big red zone target for him. I mean, he is a big red zone target regardless. AJ Green has like some has the height to be a, a good receiver or. Obviously, he's a good receiver. I mean, sorry, he has the height to be a big red zone target. A lot of receivers are a little, you know, not as tall, but he's he's um, one of the taller receivers out there. He's not necessarily fast, but he's kind of quick, and he's a guy that he can you can throw to him in the red zone, and that probably could still be the case this week, although it might not be as much now that you have Eifert back. He's he's their biggest red zone target generally, so there, there might be a little less touchdown you know, opportunity. Like last week, I believe, A.J. Green, he only ended up with one, but he was – down I believe inside the one or something like that on another catch Mm -hmm. that nearly was a touchdown that ended up being a Jeremy Hill which I was I was rooting for actually I kind of thought that he would be the a guy to have a chance with the the red zone carries with Eifert out and that ended up being the case so that was nice but um you were just a fantasy genius oh yeah thank you (laughs) I know no it's definitely definitely a lot of things yeah just but um 
yeah, I, I see AJ Green have another decent week this week, even despite having him back. And uh, like you said, Andy Dalton at home. It could be a competitive game. Probably keep. It I think close. it'll be. This is going to be probably the game of the week on paper, at least, right? Yeah, I think that's a, one of the best games of this week. From when you look at the other options around the league, uh, I, don't I mean, Detroit, St. Louis, uh, Washington, Chicago. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Dallas, Green Bay. You know, if, if Dallas was healthy, would have been a lot of fun. But no, I, th- I think. I mean, Atlanta, Carolina will be interesting just because it's a it's a division battle and. You know, you, you, we still are kind of holding out hope that this Atlanta offense didn't forget how to play football. Um, but no, I think I think this game is clearly clearly the best of the weekend. Mike Evans, seventy two hundred going up against New Orleans. I like quite a bit. I like Sammy Watkins at sixty one hundred uh, going up against Philadelphia. He's got two hundred sixty seven yards and three touchdowns over his last two games, and still priced just above six thousand. Yeah, I think what might play into that is the fact that he only had three catches last week, so he's really he's I a guess touch on the but he, but yeah, he's a huge he's there like he's kind of putting threat. up putting up like Deshaun Jackson type of type yeah. of catches to yardage totals. But I mean, going up against the worst pass defense in the league in Philadelphia, it almost seems like too obvious of a play, maybe. But I mean, I'm not going to bet against this guy. No, yeah, I think that was one guy I was targeting as well because I mean, just Sammy Watkins, he's exploded recently, and he's the guy that has the ability to explode there's a reason he was taken so highly in the draft i mean uh i and when we're looking at that price range too you got a nice value there at 6100 when you're looking at the prices of some of the top tier guys he's priced like a mid-range guy so he's another guy i'm looking at along with uh jarvis landry for the dolphins he's going against uh like the giants defense might be a nice guy if you're going to go with ryan Tannehill at quarterback that he's probably the the guy you want to pair with him and he's actually nicely priced at 6300 they didn't go up there. I mean, another guy I kind of like is Brandon Cooks, but he's dealing with a concussion right now, so it's a, it's questionable whether or not he's going to actually play in the game. So if he doesn't end up playing, obviously you don't want to take him. But uh, if he's playing, I feel like that, that Bucks defense, you got Breeze there. He's a guy that's going to be like much like the Saints offense has been this year, feast or famine type of guy. But if you're going in a tournament format, that's kind of what you want. You want a guy that can explode. And he's a decent price also. He's sitting right at 6200 So if we're looking at that price range, those are probably the three guys that I like this week if we're looking a little more value guys, but uh, not but not like bottom dollar. So these are more of the mid-range guys. That So he's one of those guys I would target that range. All right, let's move to the tight end spot real quick as we wrap up. Even if Rob Gronkowski plays, he's a top-priced tight end this week, as he's been every week. Do you think he'll be too limited physically against what's been a pretty good Houston defense to to take a chance on? I think you might want to wait a week or so on him. I mean, he's definitely he's coming one week, one week absence, and he's questionable coming in. Uh, and Scott Chandler played pretty well in his absence. So, I, obviously, the the Patriots in general struggled, so they probably want to get him out there if at all possible. But they they might even get him out there. In even if he's not 100% healthy, and that's probably going to be the case. So he might, if you're playing him in season-long leagues, that's obviously one thing. It's you, you pretty much have to start him. I mean, you, you, there's the options at tight end are probably not very good otherwise. But if you're looking in the daily format where you can choose any tight end, that's when you pretty much. I, I feel like it's there's better values out there if you're looking for a tight end, and even the top tier price guys. You have Greg Olson, who's been the top target of Cam Newton all season long and you have Eifert coming back facing a decent matchup red zone guy potential for touchdowns I mean you have some some nice names at the top that I think you might be more worth the money 
that than uh, Rob Gronkowski. I like Gary Barnage, a guy who just signed an extension earlier this week at five thousand. They got him for a discount too. I think it was three for twelve million or three years for twelve million. Which I mean, the, the kind of production that, that he's been able to give them this year seems like a discount. Although he is uh, maybe not as young as, as he would seem. Eric Ebron, I like down at minimum salary, uh, near minimum value, I should say. He's at three thousand. I think he's probably if you're looking at an upside kind of tournament play in, in that range. Uh, I, I do like him there. That said, kind of an underwhelming week, I guess. You know, in in the tight end in the tight end position, is there anybody else that really kind of stands out? This is another position. You know, we talked about with quarterbacks, a lot of tough matchups. You look at you know the top eight priced tight ends on DraftKings, and you know five of the eight are going up against top ten defenses. Yeah, I mean, I do like your discussion of uh, Eric Ebron. I've always been a fan of his. I, I don't think he's he's got talent. So he's, he's a guy. That, I think yeah. I think if they unleash him correctly, he's. He could be a future star. Yeah, he's been he's a guy that may not put up a ton of receptions, but one of them can be like he scores a fair amount of touchdowns. And if that's the, I mean, if he gets in the end zone that and you're paying minimum price for him, that's well worth it because you're spending your money elsewhere. Um, you have Kobe Fleener going against the Jaguars. If you want to match up a tight end with Matt Hasselbeck, I mean, he hasn't done a ton recently, but he does have a nice matchup this week. So it's. There's a decent chance there where he could he could find the end zone as well, and he's also minimum price, so that's he's at least had a few tar- uh, catches each of the f- the few weeks, uh, four last week, three the week before, um, three week yeah, so he's had three four f- catches a week, and if he could get into the end zone with one of those, or even up it a little bit more with the fact that he's got a nice matchup, that could be worthwhile. Uh, there's not like you said, there's not a ton of great guys at the top, but well, there's a few at the top that are decent. But there's not a lot of great guys all around. There's not a great ton of great matchups. So if you're looking for a few guys, I mean, I feel like those couple guys at bottom barrel, if you're looking for something, might be a good option or going towards the top price range are your best options this week, I think. All right, that'll do it for our value plays this week. Chris, one final question that I'll leave you with. Predict the score for the Cowboys at Packers. I'm going to go with... I guess that's not a question. That was more of a statement. But regardless, (laughs) please pick the score for the Cowboys versus Packers. I will. Uh, I think I'll go with twenty-four to fourteen Packers. Maybe twenty-four ten Packers. Looking at the weather report right now, and it's, it's supposed to be fifty-six degrees at Lambeau Field on Sunday. This is ridiculous. I mean, it was close to sixty earlier in the week here in Madison. I don't. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I mean, you'd think that would that should benefit Aaron Rodgers for sure. I mean, he's he's better in better weather, but I mean, not that cold weather has really affected him a ton. So, but yeah, I mean, I I feel like the Packers should be able. Cowboys are playing with uh, Matt Castle at quarterback. I don't. Uh, if if it was Romo, I'd feel like the game would be a lot closer, or at least somewhat closer. Um, but I just feel like the Cowboys don't have enough going right now. That even though the Packers have been struggling themselves, feel like they'll get enough. Maybe a low scoring game. Might might not even get to twenty four. Which team can struggle the least? I yeah. think in this one. And yeah, I'm gonna go with you. I'm gonna say Green Bay. I think Green Bay turns it around you know semi turns it around offensively i think they get over 30 i'm gonna go green bay 31 dallas 17 